0: Hello and welcome to our first bonus episode of the 2023 offseason. You are listening to Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football fan podcast and a proud member of the Herdat Sports Network. My name is Ben and I am joined by my good friend and fellow hoister of the Heroes Trophy, Woo. Drew. We're never going to live that down. Never. Thanks, Ben, and
1: thank you everyone for joining us. We are so happy to have you. If you're new to the podcast, each episode we will sample craft beers, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight.
0: We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information, and please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com. On today's bonus episode,
1: Ben and I will switch up our samples with a plethora of non alcoholic. Pollock beers while discussing nebraska's new coaching staff i'm drew and i'm ben and this is wannabe
0: walk-ons Drew, we are back in the saddle for our first episode of 2023, and I did a little rewriting work on our intro. And I got to say, you absolutely nailed the line with switch up samples, plethora, throwing that all in there on a on a cold read. Yeah, well, I'm sober for this episode, so <laughs> man, you it's a came non-alcohol in episode, ready man. to go and yeah. ready for the new year of of podcasts. But you know, looking in looking into 2023 and looking forward and, and looking to the year itself, it's it's the question we all got to know. Got any New Year's resolutions? Got anything that you're carrying into the new year and and this this new year of excitement with Husker football and and life in general?
1: You know, I am. I've never ever been a, a New Year's resolution type person. Great. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe that should be mine this year too. This year I'm gonna come up with some New Year's resolutions for, for, 20, for 24. 20. Yeah, <laughs> 24 hours. 24 is mine. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. I, uh, I just, I, I just keep plodding along. You know, trying to do what I do uh, without without creating a big deal about it being January 1st and, yeah. and trying to be a new
0: me. Have you had uh, ample time for guitar playing and for reading and for some of those things that really kind of bring yeah. you some... Oh, some- yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, still, still strumming the guitar. Um, got some friends that play instruments too, so trying to uh, get up to their level, which will never happen, <laughs> but like getting to a level where I can play confidently with them. Um, so that's been fun. And then, yeah, reading, of course. Um, made some trips to the library. I actually started like... Um, pulling random books off the library shelf, so yeah. like, like going in because I because I'm the type of person that I'll go in with a plan. Yeah, I'll, I'll research ahead of time what books they got and all this, and I'll and I'll make my list and I'll uh, just go and pick them off the shelf. But this last time, uh, I was actually with the kids and um, and they were they were getting antsy. I was getting <laughs> antsy, and so I just gra- I was like, you know what? Like, <laughs> I'll grab this last book. Um, and I and I started reading, it and it's actually like it's been very enjoyable. Yeah, what are you uh, reading so far? Uh, so it's called The Elephant. The Elephant Keeper's Children is by Peter Hoag, I think is how you say his name. He's a Danish author, so okay. it's translated from uh the Danish. Um it's just so it's just kinda like a wild, that, wacky. Wait, out is that there. the official
0: name of their language? It's the Danish? Yeah, yeah, Danish, right? Is that, is that a language? Danish. I'm gonna sound like a real idiot right is now, or like, <laughs> <it just> <laughs> <laughs> Why are you making me second guess my no no, no, yeah, no, no, it just the it the was just funny where you were like yeah, no, I'm sure that they speak Danish. Uh-huh. Now that I say it out loud, yeah, the language is is Dan- but where you were like it's translated from the Danish. Oh, okay, <laughs> the Danish what? Oh, Organ like yeah. I feel like they should have a, a whatever. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to to make you second guess. And You're now really going like an to anger?
1: Idiot. No, that's fine. All of our Danish listeners are going to be yeah. Rubbing All the them Danes way, but, yeah.
0: just <laughs> it was the, it was the the before was it that the really just, Yeah, th- the Danish. I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: Well, what about yourself? What's uh, What's new for you in 23? And what do you, you got any goals?
0: Yeah, you know, um, like you, uh, picking up an instrument, uh, I, I bought a set of drums in 2022. So that was like, a, I accomplished that goal. And nice. now I'm going to try and play them in 2023. <laughs> so, you know, don't let me be the example of how to set uh, some goals for the year. You know, all you got to do is just set them. You're pacing yourself. Yeah, that's keep, all. Keep expectations low. No, yeah. uh, for me, it's always reading, write more. Yeah. Know, doing those things and then working on the drums and uh, my kids all of a sudden uh, love bowling, so we're going to okay. try and do that more Heck this yeah. year, uh, which is really fun with a three-year-old and a six-year-old, and yeah. they just, you know, they're not really bowling uh, where they're drop, putting it on a sled and pushing it forward and stuff like that, but our three-year-old does this really great no-look bowl yeah. where he'll put the ball <laughs> on the top of the sled, he'll look you dead in the eye and then push it off, <laughs> and then he doesn't watch the ball. He just loves the action of he walks away. He destruction. The, he just the, likes the yeah. Steph Curry, where he yeah. yeah, he knows just, it's, it's good. Just pushing so. the ball and and go. And and my favorite story of this bowling escapade we've had so far is the other day, uh, my two sons and my wife and I we all went to the bowling alley, and the six year old got bored uh, before we finished the the second round. So he's like, "I'm I'm I'm good to walk away." And I was like, "All right, I'll take you to the arcade and we'll we'll kind of do some stuff and." Uh, my wife and I, or my wife and my three-year-old stayed and they bowled a second game mm-hmm. and uh, they tied. My three-year-old <laughs> and my, my three-year-old who doesn't look, doesn't pay attention, just wants to push a ball. And uh, my adult wife, yeah. <laughs> they both shot a 65. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Right.
1: That's okay. I've, I've done worse. So you
0: can't. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to make fun of people who aren't good at bowling. It's just very funny to see an adult and a three-year-old. With the exact same score. Uh, And then she'll tell you that in our new car, I ran into the garage making fun of her. So, you know, life balances out. That's another goal for 23 is try not to hit the house in the new car again. Should be a goal for every day, really. So. Well, I, I wish you the best in your twenty three endeavors and, and yeah, uh thank you. Thank you very much. And, and maybe all our
1: listeners, you know, yeah. whatever they got planned for this upcoming year. Um, Absolutely.
0: It's it's a year of opportunity, right? It's a year that's not written.
1: Yeah. We as a collectively as a fan base, we've turned the page. Yeah. Um I guess another maybe another resolution that i could have could have tried was not to buy into the hype
0: this offseason <laughs> well you failed that well, one right away oh man you sent me a text and you're like yeah. i'm listening to podcasts now and i listen to busing with the boys and I'm oh, I'm in. I'm in i mean ch- i mean i'm so hard i cannot
1: get enough of listening to matt rule listening to this coaching the new coaching staff talk following the recruiting like all oh, i'm and i'm so bought in
0: yeah yeah well we'll get bad. into that and, yeah, and we we'll we get will. into that in just a second, but. For new listeners and for listeners of old, you know the first thing that we like to do after our typical bullshit, sorry Kathy, is to (laughs) talk about what we're drinking and what we got in front of us. And in honor of Dry January, in honor of some of our listeners who have expressed that they don't drink beer but they still listen to us, which I don't know how we're tolerable (laughs) if that's the case. I'm
1: not tolerable to myself sober, so... But wow. in
0: honor of Dry January, we've gone out and searched for some craft beers that are non-alcoholic beers mm-hmm. uh, that are going to try and match the same experience. And there's some really cool ways that brewers are going about making these non-alcoholic offerings that are not kind of your, your O'Douls and your typical things that you're going to find on the shelf. These are things that were given the same exact care and love as uh, an, an alcoholic beer. Um, but are are brewed in a way that pulls the alcohol out or the alcohol is removed later. So we've got a couple of kind of familiar offerings. Uh, We've got a Guinness non-alcoholic draft and we've got some things from Brooklyn Brewery and these are readily available online. Non-alcoholic beers are great in the sense that you can order them and they can ship to any state because you're not shipping alcohol. It'd be like ordering a soda online. It just takes a little longer to get to you. So first off, let's talk about this Guinness. And Drew, you are... The resident Guinness aficionado uh, on this podcast. I love
1: Guinness. I do. It's my favorite beer.
0: It's it, it's it's on our website. It's written down, so it's it's fact, well documented. Yeah. Yes, yes. So tell us what you think in honest opinions here about the non alcoholic Guinness. Yes.
1: So so honest opinion as a true lover of Guinness of Guinness
0: can't even say it. Yeah, you love it Guinness, so much. <laughs> this this this, this non alcoholic version should be called Guinness in the real. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh man, it's.
1: It's passable. Um it does not li- it doesn't live up to what, what Guinness is. Like you can there's a distinct difference. Yeah. Um and it is it's lacking um you like you said, it lacks this punch, it lacks this like oomph that's behind the beer. But like flavor-wise, it's there. The the silkiness, it's there. It's all it's all very
0: um, beyond palatable, yeah. I feel like palatable is like underselling what it really is. Yeah, it's not a bad drink. Yeah, it's a nice drink. It's a nice experience. One thing that's interesting though is if you look at my glass, what's something that typically happens with Guinness as you drink? It go, it disappears quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're the Guinness aficionado, <laughs> and you don't immediately jump to the rings as you as you sip. A Guinness. Oh yeah, it doesn't. It's not clean. So Your head's not clean. A lot of it. these beers are going to be lower calorie, which is great. They're going to be lower carb, and there's going to be a lower sugar content. Because mm-hmm. sugar, yeast, alcohol, right? That's the process. That's that's in its most rudimentary form. And so this doesn't have the same sugar content. So it does lose a little bit of that sweetness. Mm-hmm. And you get a little bit more sourness, I would say, in the beer. Um, and it doesn't have that alcoholic oomph at the end, that kind of warmth note that, that brings about you know, and, and puts some warming spices or some Christmas spice into your Guinness or some of that more stouty flavoring into it. It feels a little bit thinner than a typical Guinness as yeah. well. So it is missing out on some of those components, but it still gives the flavor profiles of a Guinness stout. Yeah, it's distinctly Guinness. It's yes. n- you're not going to mistake it with any other. It doesn't atmosphere. taste like any other stout either. I mean, Guinness is, yeah. is a wholly unique flavor. So mm-hmm. if you're someone who is a non-alcohol drinker, but you want to kind of get the experience of a Guinness, this is a really good option for that. Your Guinness drinker is probably not going to switch this out one for one. They're definitely going to see a difference, but it is a really cool offering from the Guinness company um, from the St. James Brewery in Dublin to offer this. We have a second beer here. We each actually have two different beers, but these are both from Brooklyn Brewery, and Brooklyn Brewery is a brewery in Brooklyn, New York, and they have kind of led the way in some of these new wave non-alcoholic beers where they're offering IPAs, hazy IPAs, Pilsners, Ambers, giving the craft beer experience and they sell them in a really cool 12 pack so you can kind of run the gambit drew you picked the pills mm-hmm, mm-hmm. tell us what you're thinking about this pills like what was the experience with that one
1: um well so, so I picked the pills because um, it is like a there's a high standard for like what a pills is and that's the the beer that a lot of brewer, brewers will say is they're like trying to chase as, like perfect pills um, it's this does not taste like a pills it just doesn't um, the the it's super hoppy on the nose, and it's like opening up a fresh bag of of weed. It's very dank. How would you know what that <laughs> smells like, young sorry, man? Sorry, Kathy.
0: <laughs> um, Kathy, know Kathy expects that one. I, she's yeah, she knows. Yeah, yeah, she knows. Um, from you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
1: it's and then and then the 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 flavor isn't quite what a pill is. There's no there's no like bready quality to it. Actually, it's like buttery almost. Yeah. Um. Which a lot of the times that buttery uh flavor in a beer is usually it's off putting. It's it's not a flavor that you normally want. Very rarely are you aiming for it, um, as a brewer. But I but at the same time, even though it's this is not a pills, like it doesn't taste like a pills, and it's got that that weird combo of like aroma and flavor, there's a nice crisp quality to it. Um, and the more that I drink it, the more I actually like really start to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um so yeah, so if you put it in front of me and you didn't tell me it was a pills, I would not have guessed that they were aiming for pills, but I would still drink it. Yeah. And and happily. So, um this is a neat and I and I should say I've never had non alcoholic beer before. I've had a sip of O'Doul's recently. Um, So this is all a very new experience for me. So Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Uh, You got the Hoppy Amber? I've got the
0: Hoppy Amber. And I should also note that this is from a line called Special Effects. So this is a a whole beer line that they do. And any of their Special Effects, you can safely drink as non-alcoholic beer. Uh, They have less than 0.5% alcohol by volume. And they're all actually under 100 calories. So again, not that bad to consume. Um, This Hoppy Amber doesn't have the hoppiness (laughs) that your pills has. And it's kind of funny because I would actually, if they made this beer and your beer and swap the labels, I think it would be closer to maybe the the intention, right? Like this drinks more of kind of that weedy, hayish, kind of pilsy thing, but it's it's kind of like a malt soda that's been infused with hops is mm-hmm. how I would describe the flavor profile on this. Not bad, real enjoyable, easy sipper, but it's it's kind of like a hop tea as opposed to a hoppy beer. I don't get a whole lot of that hop on the nose. But I do get that bitterness on the taste, and then I get the multi finish. It's a nice drink. I like to drink non alcoholic beers when I'm in the mood for a beer, but I've just like worked out or sweat a whole lot, and I'm gonna go like have dinner, but I need something and I want carbonation, but I don't want a soda. Like, yeah, there's kind of this weird niche where non alcoholic beer and like sparkling hop water really hits for me. Um, the uh, the Athletic Brewing Company is another one that you'll see in a lot of grocery stores around the state of Nebraska. And those are really good too. Their wheat beers in particular taste okay. like a wheat beer. Yeah. Um, but this, this hoppy effects, this hoppy amber special effects is, is just a nice alternative. It's not going to go out and taste like, you know, a Bud Light with no alcohol or a, um, no Duels or anything like that. It's going to yeah. give you more of that craft beer flavor. So if you're someone who doesn't drink alcohol, uh, but you want to have that experience, this is a really neat way to kind of turn the ship towards something that is that experience without, you know, breaking away from from whatever took you away from alcohol or, or stop you from going there in the first place. Right. So yeah, uh, I, I endorse these Brooklyn breweries. I endorse the Guinness as a, as a neat alternative uh, for a Guinness offering. And we've got two more coming up later in the show that I'm very excited to try some IPAs and a peanut butter stout. And those came very highly recommended. So okay, it should be interesting to see there.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about that.
0: All right, now I can let you off the leash. All right. And we can start talking a little bit about these coaches. For sure. We're going to start today with just some Matt Rule reaction. Yep. Then we'll talk the offensive staff, have some more beers, and then go into the defensive staff. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right. I can't wait. So what are you thinking about Matt Rule, Drew? Oh, my God. I think about him way too much. <laughs> I, I love,
1: love having him as the head coach. It wasn't initial, right? Like, off the bat, it was, you know, you have to kind of dive in and, and you do your research, and you and you. At first, it was kind of like, okay, you hear all those things about his record. Ah, you know, he he's good at rebuilding programs, but he's not winning like against ranked opponents. And so you had to kind of like sift through um, all that information, all the initial reactions of other people, and uh, and so you, I was I was trying to convince myself. I was I was trying to convince myself that it was a good thing. So I was looking at all the information that way, um, and then his his. Uh, his announce when they when he did this press conference with Trev Alberts and all that, um, and, he, and he talked. It was like holy shit! Like this guy is incredible. Like you could tell he was very well poised. He, he's a son of a preacher, and you, you see that. Um, it's apparently genetic that that ability to, um, you know, get up on that podium and, and talk like that. Uh, but he he is he's his message has continued to be so consistent. His actions have followed through uh, what he said he was going to do in terms of how he's going to operate his program, the the coaches that he's going to hire, the um, the way that he's going to uh, you know be a player first coach and 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 welcome the guys back to the team who are you know already here, um, but create a competitive environment. Like I, I I cannot get enough of him just because of that, just that consistency and that self assuredness that he has in the way of operating. It's this perfect balance of um of confidence that doesn't come across as cocky i think it's brilliant yeah so
0: i'm excited about it i am the opposite side of the same coin and that is that matt rule has been so consistent in his message and so consistent in the way that he has carried himself and he's so consistent in his recruiting style and who he recruits and how his coaches work and and their high energy, and their continued focus, and all of this stuff, Mm -hmm. that like I almost don't have to pay attention, right? I can almost just walk away going, there's someone here who has a set plan, and is executing that plan. He's not being distracted by stars. He's not being distracted by what players might show interest, or who just entered the, the portal, or what's the hot new toy, or something like that. He has his plan laid out, and he says, ignore everything else, I am focused on this. My coaches are focused on this. And our players are going to be focused on this. I've got the support staff and Trev and his team uh, who are focused on providing us with everything we need. And other than that, everything else doesn't matter. And yeah. as a Husker fan, I'm so used to that everything else, right? I'm yeah. so used to the shiny new toy pops up in recruiting. And so we all turn our attention there. Rule staff is like, if we didn't want them, we're not going to take them. We'll talk about it later when we get to the uh, the assistant coaches. But, like, they didn't take a running back in the portal because they're like, we got our guys. We got guys who fit what we want to do. We don't need anything new and shiny. Yeah, we have what we need. The busing with the boys interview was fantastic, but he repeated a lot of stuff that he had said in his opening presser. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that that uh, that jump out at me that that he likes to kind of say over and over is he he talks about how um, you know he's going to be hard on his players during practice, and then come game day he's their super they're his superheroes. Yeah, right. Like that sort of speech. I'm like, yeah, that's. That's that's what we want out of our, our our head coach, and you know he didn't take the bait when it came time to kind of nudge at Colorado. He was like, "No, nope, we are we are here to focus on us. We yeah. are here to focus on our game."
1: He made some comments that, if you wanted to read into him, you could take him as you could. You could take him but as that's not what shot. He was doing. But it, yeah,
0: you know, he was telling funny anecdotes how the the players were there playing PlayStation and they were using Deion Sanders. He's like, "Guys, yeah. that is <laughs> counterintuitive." He because he so knows great. that that is something that young. You know, high school age and, and college athletes are like, yeah, he's the best at that position all time. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. why wouldn't a DB who's highly rated go play for Deion Sanders for sure. when we're trying to recruit the same damn guy? <laughs> so stop it. You know, like that's that shows this humility to him. And it's like humbleness mm-hmm. that oh, that yeah. I I absolutely love. But I also think it can be dangerous when you got a guy who knows who he is and knows that he can be successful using this over and over and over. And then you even look at the Panthers. Right. Who weren't having success, but he was told it's going to be a three-year turnaround. So he was planning for three years. Mm-hmm. Well, in his second and a half year, he gets fired, and then the team makes a run at the playoffs. So he was clearly building some momentum. And I'm not going to take away from what Wilkins did it as an interim head coach at the Panthers, but there was a foundation that was laid there. And he's just so confident, without being cocky, that I I just I don't have to watch. Yeah, when I you, still do, right. but I don't have to. <laughs>
1: You said it was. It's dangerous. What? Why you said the hum- humility is dangerous? I think. Understanding you, I that, right? think.
0: Yeah. I think humility in a person, in a coach, assuredness mm-hmm. is dangerous, because I think that they are sold on who they are and what they can do, and I think that that makes them a very dangerous person. It's kind of. It's the saying like, um, it's. I think it's from like Doctor Who or something like that, where it's like demons shudder when good men go to war, right? Like when when someone who is is about their beliefs and sticks to that, mm-hmm. and you can't knock them off that podium chasing some other fever dream, that to me is the guy I want to go to battle with. That's a dangerous person. Gotcha.
1: Okay, because the way that I heard it was um, dangerous as in, like, maybe, like, he's too stubborn.
0: He's too set in his No, ways. No, okay, no, 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 Okay, I, I, I was maybe inter- no, because misinterpreting that. One of his ways is to listen to everyone in the room, Yes, right? Like, yeah. hi, that humility is dangerous because he's going to find the best idea. Yeah. And he's confident in his ability to find that idea. He's not mm-hmm. confident in his ability to come up with the idea himself. That's why he's got someone like Evan Cooper, who's the best damn guy at finding talent, yeah. right? Because that's not his expertise. So that humility becomes dangerous because then you find the best guy in the room right. to lead that charge. And you as a leader are, are not afraid to say, well, yeah, do it, man. If you mm-hmm. believe in it, I believe in you. Yeah, And like that gets the best out of people. And so it's not dangerous for us as fans. It's dangerous for opponents. Okay. You had me, you had me a little word. <laughs> Thank you for letting that's me good. clarify yeah, that and just being like, good. what are you talking about? He's dangerous. He looks so undangerous. <laughs> like that's right. Oh, man. So I've got a hypothetical for you. Okay. Let's say you have two choices. Okay. 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 Option A is in our first season with Matt Rule in 2023, yeah. Nebraska wins the national championship. <laughs> now, hang on. No, hold on. Hold on. Stick with me. Stick with me. Okay? Okay. Every other season after that, that Matt Rule is our head coach. Yeah. Nebraska goes eight and four, no questions asked. So you get a national championship. We go eight and four every year after that. Okay. Option two is every season we're a 10-win team, Uh but no guarantees for a natty. It's still on the table. 10 is the minimum? 10 is the minimum. So you're winning 10 games every year. Yeah, but there's no guarantee for any playoff. There's no guarantee that that gets you into the Big Ten championship. Yes, I'm just saying you win ten games a year. That could come, you know, nine wins and then a bowl win. Right, you're always guaranteed ten wins, at least ten. But the the other option is you're guaranteed a natty. Yeah,
1: but you're also guaranteed to just go to flatline. Well. It's like dying a- while skiing, you know, like you're having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> and then well, that's we it. we know Sonny Bono doesn't <laughs> listen to this podcast. You t- I'd take the 10 win. Take you would? The, oh, the 10 minimum and the, with the chance of a natty? Yeah. But no
0: guarantee. I'm So you're, I don't, you're foregoing a guaranteed national championship in 2023. Yeah. You're foregoing the right of our lives in 2023.
1: Yeah. Okay. To get the to get the ten minimum every
0: year. I agree with you. I just wanted to see if I could push uh, you a little bit. <laughs> to, yeah. You're a humble man. That's, that's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think I think like I mean,
1: obviously, that's your your goal is to win it all, you know. You but um, but to just to to do nothing after that to like fall back into that, yeah, irrelevant. No, I don't want that. Okay. I want. I want yeah I and that's what I honestly like that's where I expect to be with rule eventually is to build up into this consistent contender not not necessarily like you know for national titles but yeah like to win the west on a consistent
0: basis I mean I think that with the way that the playoff is going to go where they're going to have twelve teams in, your goal every year should just be to win the big ten yeah right and and everything else takes care of itself right and if your goal in a conference is not to win the big Ten, then you're Iowa, right. <laughs> And and you're going into the final game of the season against a three and eight team with a chance to make it to the Big Ten championship and you lose twenty four seventeen. I watched the game again today. Yeah. You know, I couldn't avoid it. Uh but really that's that's not who we are. And I agree with you. I would I would take I would take the earn it route, right? Like yeah. nothing's guaranteed, but we're gonna go out there and we're gonna try and earn it every year. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And wouldn't that be fucking exciting anyway, just to get sorry, Kathy, to get back to that. Like, yeah that yeah. Oh, yeah, man, just being on that level. Yeah.
0: Typical Husker fans dreaming about the cleany era. A yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> couple of the other things that I really like that Rule's been saying and, and kind of repeats. Um, the you didn't choose me, but I chose you when it comes to talking about the players. Yeah. Right. What he said about the Iowa game too on Bustin with the Boys, where he was talking about how, like, you know, there's something there's in that something locker room. There, yeah. Like that was like, hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's there's some really great sound bites and he keeps repeating those and it's like okay I can play bingo with this right Mm -hmm. and then he had a couple of comments here and there where you know talking about like McGuire hiring him where he was like you know what you brought me in just let me coach yeah right yeah let's see where we are in three years like hang tight yeah like that that one I do like when those little bits of like okay you've pushed me enough so I'm gonna take a bite real quick and then I'm gonna go (laughs) go back into being the preacher's son Uh you know so anything else you have that jumps out at you on on Matt Rule?
1: No, um, I guess I was going to add, I, I really appreciate a coach who's connected to the community the way that he is, and and he's talked about how he expects his, his family to, to be that same, to be a part of the community, um, and they're probably still settling, and we haven't heard a lot about um, his family, but he has lived that out. His coaches, the people that he's chosen to surround himself with, have lived that out as well. I mean, they've been all over the state of Nebraska, um, establishing just a... Uh, relationship with the the Nebraska high schools the way that he had with Texas high schools when he was at Baylor, and so that that's been refreshing just to see like I don't like to use a cliche he's a man of the people, yeah, and he really but it, but he is you sense that he like he feeds on that he's energized by that, um he loves not being the center of attention but just um he understands his position with the in the in the way that the people in the state view the head coach of Nebraska. Um, and what we expect out of, of somebody that fills that role. Um, and then he just, he f- he fills it so well. He fits so well. Yeah. that's something that um, Trev talked about a lot, was finding the guy with the right fit, the yeah. right fit for Nebraska. Um, and, yeah, he I, that's it. I mean, he's just, yeah, he's just a perfect fit so far.
0: Yeah, he's absolutely passed the test in the mm-hmm. first few months, yeah. and I'm just excited to see how this team progresses. I'm excited to see the spring game, how they're talking about having enough guys to play an actual game. Like yeah. That's exciting, too, to kind of see some of that stuff come to fruition where you get to mm-hmm. see all the hard preparation that they're doing in the winter and then in the spring ball. So there's a lot to look forward to. Um, but, you know, as you'll continue to consume and get giddy over it, I'm kind of like, I'll wait. I'm going to wait. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. you know, we've got the message. The message is, is loud and clear and it's consistent.
1: Yes. But so. I'm going to keep I'm going to keep coming to the back to the table for seconds, thirds, fourths. I love the message. I love hearing it. Um, it, it, it. It will be fun to see football on the field. Because this is this is not the product that they're going to put out on the field. This is just that laying the foundation and that and establishing that culture. And so, um, so yeah, eventually we will get to football, and there will be results and yards and points and all that stuff to to analyze these guys, um, in their performance. So, yeah, it'll be I don't know, it's gonna be a fun ride.
0: It is. So let's dive into talking about these new coaches, this new coaching staff, and we'll start with the offensive staff. Uh, Drew, you want to get us going with your thoughts on Marcus Satterfield and and him coming to us from uh, South Carolina?
1: Uh, yeah, I think Satterfield is is going to be interesting um, to me just because of the situation that he's coming from. He, you know, he's he was the OC at South Carolina the past couple of years. From everything that I've heard from South Carolina fans, they're more or less happy to see him go. Yeah, um, he had he had some really low lows as the OC play calling some games and he had some really high highs um, taking down Tennessee and Clemson there right at the end uh, so again we, as you as your coaches are as coaches were being hired and announced you're you're hearing their name and you're, you're you know quick going googling looking at their their body of work and who they are and what you expect from them um, that's one thing that's that's uh, one way to look at them but then you listen to, to Marcus Satterfield talking in his intro um, his press conference, he was very impressive, and he he said all the right things. He said everything that Nebraska fans wanted to hear about, you know, running game and establishing the trenches. Um, having a pro style offense, I think, will be pretty fun, um, especially with the with the receivers, the tight ends that we have, the running backs that we have. Um, but still, knowing that there's going to be that quarterback run game wrinkle that he wants to have with guys like Casey Thompson and, and Sims coming in. Um, I'll be interested just to kind of see. I'm. I'm. This is of of probably of all the coaches. This is the one that I'm kind of like most wait and see approach. Sure. Just because of his recent history with South Carolina, and also I'm a little um, I don't gun shy about OCs or like coordinators yeah. coming in there, yeah. um, and 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 the results on the field. So
0: we've had some interesting history. The past, you know, half decade when it comes to offensive coordinators. And and then you look at a guy even further back, like a Tim Beck, who at Nebraska didn't find success and then goes off and wins a national championship at Ohio State. You know what I mean? So like it is it is normal, I think, for Husker fans to have a little apprehension when it comes to offensive coordinators. One of the things that I've kind of focused on while looking at these coordinators and assistant coaches is how do they how do they learn? How do they evolve? How do they grow? Uh, because I think when you stop growing, you die. And and if we look back at last year with Mark Whipple, it's it's kind of obvious that like he didn't evolve for the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And it was successful four times out of 12. And that's that's not what we want, obviously, going into this. And one of the things that I really like about Satterfield is seeing how the stats change year over year. And the big one that I looked at was number of plays ran. And how he brings the no huddle to the huddle right so he's he's a big proponent of we're going to huddle we're going to take our time we're going to you know and and what's important about that is Nebraska's been so quick to strike that sometimes they quickly strike out with their offense right they go three and out the defense is back on the field the defense is exhausted Satterfield had that same issue about four years ago where his offenses were either scoring too quickly and the defense was back on the field, or they were getting off the field really quick and the defense didn't have a chance to recover. The number of plays he's ran year over year has actually gotten lower. Hmm. So he is taking more time on his offense to call the right play. That not only helps his offense, but that also helps his defense. And so you're seeing the fewer plays he runs, the better his his defense performs on the other side of the ball. And so I just like seeing that that learning He's a very balanced offensive coordinator. He calls uh, the same amount of runs. Basically, he's passing a little bit more favored to the run. And I think part of that has to do with who you've got on staff, uh, who you have on the team. And then part of that has to do, you know, just with your style. But I think his style actually fits the Big Ten a little bit better than it fit um, at South Carolina in the SEC, right? They're a little bit more of a pass-happy kind of uh, conference. And unless they've got a big O-line with some big uglies and a running back like a Derrick Henry – They're going to favor throwing the ball because all the great wide receivers go there and all the great quarterbacks go there. So I'm excited to see him in the Big Ten. I think he's a good fit with the style of ball that Matt Rule wants to play, the style of ball that has succeeded in the Big Ten, uh, and the kind of guys that they are bringing in. And then they're still going to have an aerial assault with all the wide receiver talent and this tight end room, my lord. Um, So I'm excited for Marcus Satterfield. I think he's a good fit, and I think that he is going to continue to learn and evolve. Yeah.
1: I... There's a, I guess I'll try to touch on a few points that you talked about, if I can remember them all. Um, I, I'm sober, and I still can't hold it together, so we'll see. Um, I, the, the, we go back to fit. I, like you said, I don't think he was a great fit at South Carolina um, in the SEC. The way that he talks about football, the way he wants to play, I don't know South Carolina football very well, but to me they seem um, like an SEC team in order to have success, they have to be kind of gimmicky. Yeah, um, they can't they can't run a program the way that Georgia and Alabama does. Right. And they're competing with Clemson um, as well in that state. And so I feel like they have to do something special in order to and it's not going to be consistent. So Steve Spurrier, still their head coach. <laughs> <laughs> um, So, yeah, so him coming back here, he's he's going to have a place where where he will be able to um, lead an offense the way and, and design an offense the way that he would like to. That does fit within the conference. Um he, he's but he's also shown yeah the, the ability to learn and, and from his own mistakes and to grow um, to adjust to his his players and so um he i think he talked about after coaching offensive linemen um, realizing that he's put them in bad positions in the past with his play calls and his schemes um and so he's had to change according to that uh he if you look at like his time at temple versus his time at south carolina um he's he utilized the tight ends at south carolina with tremendous success um I think they ended up having like three or four different tight ends with I don't remember what it was like 60 plus receptions six 700 800 yards and tons of touchdowns and so yeah you think about him like having all these all these tools available all these players available um and then also a guy like Matt Rule who will probably trust him to to build this this offense with those players I think it could be really great yeah um I'm still yeah I will I will I remain apprehensive but I, I can see where as we get closer to the season, I can see where I'm gonna start to crack and, and get pretty pretty hyped up about. You know happening.
0: what? I'm not I'm not gonna rein you in because yeah. last year that was me and you were the one reining us in and then Oklahoma was shitty. Yeah. And I was like, Oklahoma's gonna be shitty and you're like, there's no way Oklahoma's gonna be shitty. They were after they played us. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna take the take the lead on that and I'm gonna let you run wild and, and let that emotion all right. get the best of you. We- <laughs> Cool. I think we're kind of in line with Marcus Satterfield. It's kind of like this this cautious optimism when it comes to what he's going to be able to do, and 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 we both see it as a as a nice fit. Who do you want to talk about next? Where, what direction would you like to go? I've I've got all my notes in front of me, and I can I can jump around. Do we want to.
1: We can just stick with all the offensive assistants. Yeah, well, that's yeah. what I meant. But oh, like, okay, which okay. offensive assistant uh, do you want to go to first? Let's go with uh, the guy at the top of my
0: page. I have just Bob Wager. Okay, you want to talk about him? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. He is my personal favorite coaching hire. Uh, Of Matt Rule's staff Oh yeah One it's such a cool thing right That Matt Rule is willing to go and Pluck guys out of the high school level And he's like hey you're gonna run a room But then when you dive deeper and you look Like some of the stats on this guy First off he's immensely Respected in Texas high school football Which is basically division three of college football Right like Texas is a breeding ground For incredible football players Not just on the field but like mentally They, They know football inside and out he took his high school of Arlington Martin to the playoffs in 17 straight seasons. Yep. The school had only been there four times in the 24 years before he got there. That's so crazy. That, that's just an insane coaching
1: level. That's and that's every year
0: he was there. Like It wasn't yeah. like it
1: took him a little while. to you know, It was like instant. Yeah, yeah.
0: Seven, 17 seasons in a row yeah. to, to get to that level. He's yeah. also coached and developed numerous college and NFL players, including Garrett Miles, who's a number one overall pick. I mean like Miles, this, Garrett? Miles Garrett. Sorry. Yeah. That's right. two first names. Yeah. confusing. It is. It is. And especially when you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so not only is he someone who can develop talent that can succeed at both the college level and then the next level, which I'm sure guys just drool over when they're coming over here as a coach. Mm-hmm. He's now been put in charge of the tight end room that is just loaded with talent even yeah. more so. And so now it's about, you know, you've got a guy who comes from Texas high school football who's going to be a highly educated football mind Then instilling this in some of your most talented players, guys who are coming from a national championship, guys who are your highest recruit from two years ago, like there's just so much to be excited about with this guy leading a room. And then to top it all off, he gets he gets that throwback feature of opening up that Texas pipeline again, yeah, reopening that door that we had so much success in during the Osborne era, and being someone who when Matt Rule and him walked into a high school gymnasium during a basketball game got a standing friggin' ovation. Like <laughs> right. so that tells you this guy is well loved and well respected as much almost as Matt Rule is in that state as well. So yeah. I just I, I love this hire so much and I'm very excited to see how this room works in tangent with Satterfield as well and his love for the tight end. Like it's just I'm this is where I kind of lose control. It's where you get giddy? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I marked it down as my savviest hire.
1: Yeah, because yeah, because it is. It's outside the box, but it's something that rules done before. He did it with Joey McGuire, um, who's Garrett McGuire's dad. Yeah, and uh, also the head coach pl- at Texas. But now Tech. that yeah, yeah, like like shot up and yeah. became a head coach at a Power Five program. Um, and that, and that points to just Matt Rule's ability to identify his type of guy. Um, and knowing what's what's going to be successful, not just within uh, his program under his umbrella, but just in with football in general, like he, he's really great at identifying great coaches. And so, um, so it'd be fun to see how Bob Wager grows from here as a as a, a coach and how his career yep. grows. Um, the The story that I found on on Wager that that blew my mind. That's incredible, um, and also makes you go like, "Oh, that's the type of person he is," and that's why. It, Rule identified him, um, so he was he was born in New York, um, born and raised there. At the age of 22, he read the book Friday Night Lights. Have you heard this before? No, I haven't. Oh I'm my god! So excited okay. for this. At the age of 22, he read the book Friday Night Lights. Yes, okay, this is in 1992. Okay. He reads a book and he goes, "I want to be a Texas high school football coach." Okay. And he wanted it so bad that he traded in his piece of shit Jeep for a motorcycle packed a duffel bag. He's already the coolest got, guy on planet Earth. Yeah. Put $500 cash in his pocket and drove 1800 miles to Texas. Just uprooted himself, went to Texas, uh landed a job as a junior high football coach. Um he worked there for 4 years and then he moved his way up and eventually made it to uh Arlington Martin. And but like that that mentality and that's something that Matt ruled. Like that's a Matt Rule move, right? Like, yeah. Um, his he talked about it how his his wife told him, hey, we're gonna drive, you know, two hours or whatever out of our way with this our our little baby in the back seat, and we're gonna go get you a job at Temple. Um, just that that tenacity and that belief in yourself, um, you know, to, to do it not not necessarily like I mean, well, it was on a whim, but like on a whim, but like with just that assuredness, yeah. and and just to make it happen, like that that was so cool. Um, and the fact that he's found such tremendous success there, um. That he created so many connections. He, he's, he coached in the Under Armour, I think it was Under Armour, right? All-American game uh, for 10 years and got on the board of the Texas High School Coaches Association. Um, yeah, this dude is legit. Like, this guy is, he, he lives and in, 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 in breathes football. Um, so I'm excited to see, yeah, again, what he does, what he does with the talent in the room, like
0: you said. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a real dude. How good is that book? I know, right. <laughs> right? Like that should be on the like the cover where they write all the reviews. Like this guy just read your this book <laughs> yeah. and was like, "I'm going to be a Texas inspired, yeah." The fact coach. that it cha-
1: cha- literally changed his life, and then it, and then you think about the impact that it ha- that he's had on you know however many thousands yeah. of of players over the years, um just incredible, yeah incredible,
0: yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm I am a plus higher. Like this to me is like I can't wait.
1: Yes, this is the, and and there's a few on this list. That the initial thought was like, wait, what? Like, what? like, why this guy? And then you dig in and you find the why. And it's like, know, this, this is great. Yeah. This makes sense. So. Oh, man.
0: Well, I want to talk about EJ Barthel. Yeah. Running backs coach. Yeah. And one of the things that I've kind of looked at as I, as I look at all of these coaches is I'm curious about their experience in owning a room at either the college level or the professional level. Like, who's, who's ran a room before? And a lot of these guys share something in common, and that's that they haven't or they have very minimal experience in doing so. And E.J. Barthel is one of those guys that has kind of minimal experience of owning a room. He has before. Last year, he was at UConn. And so what I'd like to look at there is what was his immediate impact? How did things immediately change? Because sometimes coaches just walk into a good situation. Yeah. Other times, like, no, these guys were missing something, and this guy is the guy who propelled them. In his first year, UConn ran 1,100 more yards than they did the year before. They ran 90 more yards per game. They ran one and a half yards more per attempt. And they scored 12 more <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah. Like, these guys went off in the running room. And what was the difference? It was EJ Barthol. Yeah. So I like this higher. I like the immediate impact that he brings in. And I also like that they walked in and they went, Now nah, I got guys to work with. Him and Rule were like, we don't need to take anyone. Right. Because we got studs. Yeah. You got A.J. Allen, who's going to be healthy again. You got your boy Anthony, Anthony Grant, Grant coming back Ooh, in. Oh, yeah. Ramir yeah. Johnson coming in strong right yep. at the end of the season against Iowa. Gay Burvin should be Gabe healthy. Gabe Irvin. You, you, you've got mm-hmm. a, a room of some really good guys, and then you bring in a speed demon from high school. Uh, we'll talk more about recruits in, in future episodes, but uh, I really like how this running back room shapes up for 2023. The focus on the running game, and then the confidence that they have in EJ Barthol, and you can see that man—they—they—they they, they made a difference. This guy knows how to teach and coach running backs.
1: Yeah, um, and it and when it, you know when I was first looking at him, it, the thing that jumped out to me was that he's a he's a recruiter. Um, he's got experience on that side with the recruiting, the player development. That's where a lot of his stuff, uh, or a lot of his past was um, where he was positioned. But um, but then you do you look at at his his. Uh, Time as a coach, as a position coach, um, I found this uh, podcast called the Coach Forward Podcast. I never heard of it. I was just looking up EJ Barthol. But Look at
0: you listening to podcasts.
1: I know I'm coming around, man. I'm coming around. Join Someday you're gonna club? listen to ours. Uh, <laughs> as soon as I get kicked off of it, yeah. <laughs> oh man, but he. So he was on this podcast, and and um, and it was an incredible episode. Um, he was asked, you know, why he coaches. Why are you coaching? He grew up in a tough situation, and football saved his life. And he wants to pay that back to his kids. Every kid that he interacts with, every kid he coaches, he wants to help them make their life better. Um, and it's coming from a very real place. That's yeah. that's cool. Um, he talked about how does he lead his room. Um, he said he's he's consistent. You come in, the lights are off. You're focused. You take care of uh, you house cleaning stuff, um, academics, anything like that. We take care of that. He's got when it, he says our meeting starts at this time. It stops at this time. Hold true. Not going to. Pe- he's not going to mess with these kids' schedules. Um, he's he runs sort of this tight ship, um, and that's very well structured, but full of love. Um, he talked about, and Rule talked a little bit about this with busting, busting with the boys as well as the that lion and sheep mentality. Um, EJ was talking about that how at Temple they they would show film and they would have the lion film and they would have the sheep film. The uh, lion film is any player showing violent effort. That leads to positive results. Sheep film—it's your loaf effort. Negative results. He said every single player did not—they knew you do not want to show up on that sheep film because the entire team is going to see oh, it. There's man. this accountability and transparency there, and it wasn't like it's not—they're not showing that to, to rag on a guy to drag a guy down. It's like no, like it's it's to build him back up and say like this is this is why we need the violent effort. This is why we need that 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 lion mentality. Um, and so I, so he's a guy that, that understands rule. He, and, and, um, they, they sort of like are in lockstep with each other. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so he's, he's my, he's my dark horse as far as like, like seemingly like unheralded guy, um, who I think could have a tremendous impact, um, not on his room, but on the team in general.
0: You know, I think there's something to be said about his introduction. He did have an opportunity, him and Evan Cooper had an opportunity to speak you know, after the coordinators spoke. So there is something there where it's like Rule does see this guy, I think, as a a next-tier leader as opposed to just being an assistant coach. You know, he's someone that he's going to turn to and be like, now this is kind of my cabinet, so to speak. And, And not to say that any of these coaches are on higher or lower levels than the others, but when you look at kind of the trust that he places in certain coaches in which coaches are really out there going, grinding with the recruiting trail and going after these high recruits that are important to them and stuff like that, I think Barthel's one of those guys that, you know, might have rules ear a little bit more than others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also like what you talked about when, when you were talking about them showing that, that footage, right? You're, you're seeing the lions, you're seeing the effort, you're seeing um, the result, but you're learning the why. And uh, there's, a, there's a really powerful author, his name's Simon Sinek, and he talks about the what, the how, and the why. And that why is the most important piece that is often missed when it comes to really anything. And he talks about it in business. And that that's what makes Apple so great is they understand why they do what they do. Mm. And, and that's a powerful tool because that motivates beyond just, here's what we do and here's how we do it. Yeah. Here's why we do it. And like, just, just that weight of knowing why we wake up in the morning, why we give the effort, why I coach, why I do these things, like being motivated by getting a kid in a better situation is much bigger a much bigger motivation than money right money's not why they coach money is how they coach that's how they're able to sustain that job yeah but why they do it is more crucial and more important so hearing that he's got a strong why that's 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 the gasoline in the motor right that's what keeps him going and and that just tells me even more about him that you know this is a guy to watch out for because he's not coaching for his name or for greatness or anything like that. he's coaching to make a difference in these young men's lives and that's a powerful tool 100 percent all right, where do you want to jump to next? All right, uh, the other guy I got on my l- same page here with these two
1: others is Garrett McGuire. Let's talk about. Let's talk let's about, talk about Garrett. Okay. Garrett.
0: Garrett is fascinating. This is a fascinating hire. This is. Yes. This is, this is. This is. This is. I think a very controversial hire. Maybe more so than than Rayola retaining Rayola. This is an interesting hire, and I like. I'd like to hear what you think about them. I'll yeah, stop, I'll stop I, interrupting I, you. No, let you. let me can. interrupt you one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners are like, "Well, I'm, great." Jesus. Heard that Really <laughs> brought on <laughs> an annoying <laughs> guy.
1: Oh man. Okay, I put him to biggest surprise hire. And not just biggest surprise in like for us as fans, like like who the hell is this guy and why are we hiring him, but biggest surprise in that. I think he's going to surprise us with his ability. He
0: already is. Like the dude can recruit and he, guys want to play for him. He
1: can, and we've seen that. We've seen um we saw Betts and and uh Isaiah come back. Um we've seen Kemp come over from Virginia. We've seen Fleeks come in from Baylor. Um, he's he's bringing in talent. He's connected to Texas as well. Um, he's the son of a coach. He is a he's a, called a boy genius. Um, Do what he's twenty four. Yeah, maybe I think I Think in the
0: Danish. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's pronounced similar to Wunderkind. <laughs> yes, very much so. Um, it's called a callback, folks. <laughs> oh
1: man, he uh, coach Cooper uh, Evan Cooper calls him a grinder and a football brain. Uh, we heard about rule. We'll talk about him in the and with the Boys episode saying this dude's going to be head coach. I don't know how long I'm going to hold on to him. Um, he is highly, highly regarded by the people who know him. It's just going to take Nebraska fans' time to get to know him for us to, I think, hold him in that high regard. And I, I don't think it will take long based on everything that I hear. I trust I trust Rule with his hires, and we'll talk about that with Rayola too. But this is one where like you're either either you trust Rule or you don't.
0: And if you do, you, you trust the hire. Yeah, I mean, I think that's well put. It's it's You don't have a whole lot to go off of, right, with stats. And yeah. it's it's more like word of mouth, what is everyone saying about this guy. And this guy's had articles written about him, how he's like developing his own offense. Like he's got his own way where he's going to personally revolutionize the game of football. He's been living it his entire life. And you talk about a guy like Wager who, you know, at 22 started coaching this is a kid who's been coaching under his father, who is now a head coach at Texas Tech. He's been coaching under his father and watching film his entire life. Yeah. Right. So the experience level is probably fairly similar amongst some of these coaches. He's the coach's kid. Yeah. And they know what they're talking about because they live, they, they eat, they breathe, they sleep football just with their parents, and, and especially if he's got a love for it, too, that's that's even oh, so that's more committed. Like the,
1: that's the key that kind of connects yeah, it all, that that passion for it. He
0: doesn't resent growing up with it. In mm-hmm. fact, it's gotten him where he is, and he's just on the beginning of his trajectory. And yeah. when you look at like NFL coaches who are younger than I am, which is like, I don't know, they're like, what, 29 now, and hiring NFL it's, coaches, yeah, and then wild. firing them, and then they're buying a one-way <laughs> ticket to Thailand. Like, I don't even understand <laughs> what's going on in our world right now with coaches, but hang tight because this Garrett McGuire kid, everyone is saying he can hold his own. Yeah. I mean, like, you're excited about me. Look at him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm ready to watch him
0: grow. Um, Literally. Like, yeah. <laughs> He's grown up before our very eyes. But I mean, how um, cool, how cool is it that like as a player, you've got someone who like understands your plight and, and not just in the, yeah, I played college football too in the 90s, but like, no, I just played. I know what you guys are going through. Yeah, I know the the new shit that's going on. I know everything. Like, I know what it's like to play football in the social media age. Yep, I I know what that is like, and I can help you guys get in the, in the proper direction, and ball out. Like, yeah, you can do both.
1: He's yeah, he 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 understands the modern recruiting. Um, he's been through all that. I think another another thing that um is gonna make it make him really connect with players is the is the fact that you know he he played under rule at Baylor um and then got tabbed as a coach he, at this age he's he's a perfect example of and, and there's a lot of them but he's the most recent a perfect example of um you get in with rule you click you fit you have that that the right mentality and the right mindset no matter what happens with your football career um you're going to be well taken care of yeah you you can get inside of this club um you know with, with rule and and he's just I think he's just a great example of that. Now you gotta you I mean it's not just like you sign up for it, you have to be the right person, the right fit, the right work ethic, all that. Um but but yeah, Rule has shown time and time again that, that he can identify those people and that he's willing to take them on.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, just think about, you know, you see all these enterprise commercials where they're like there's how many hundreds of thousands of college athletes and there's only like four who go professional. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. There's life after this game, but if you want to stay in the game, this is also a a group of guys you want to play for. And that might come after an NFL career, or it might come – in place of an NFL career. And this there's just example after example and Garrett Maguire is a beautiful example of that. And he's not someone who comes to the school and is touted as a high, you know, recruit and gets all the attention and everything like that. The guy was like a walk-on backup quarterback, special teamer.
1: Yeah, he knew exactly what he was the whole time. Yeah. You know? And he
0: still is now like, "Hey, look at me. All right, I 3 years out from school and and I'm here. He's coaching in the NFL." Yeah. I mean, yeah, so. So, uh, an an Interesting hire, a fun hire, and man. I, yeah,
1: I understand the I understand that back the the backlash, the initial reaction to a degree because it is like well, like this he looks yeah. like a, he looks he just looks young, like you know because he is, but he looks young, and and a lot of people wanted those the quote unquote home run hires They're you know they're looking at like the salary pool and all that stuff, um, but I yeah, rule said it best, just let him do what he's doing. He knows he knows what he's doing. Let him let him do it and just trust
0: this process. We should yeah. also note. Happy birthday, Garrett. His birthday is Friday, February 3rd. So oh, nice. when this comes right. out, it'll be a few days, and then it'll be your birthday. So there's another yeah. surprise for the coach. Happy birthday, Garrett. Celebrating at Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> hey. All, all right. right. Let's talk about Rayola. Let's talk about Rayola. Okay. Let's talk about <laughs> Rayola. <laughs> uh, I will. Okay. So he, he was not the one that of all the coaches you would expect to uh, be retained. Yeah. Um he fits. He fits in with a lot of the guys that were hired by Rule, and it was the that. Wait, what? Like there was that. Like, why are we? Why are we hiring this guy? Um, but again, you hear uh, you hear Satterfield talk about him. You hear Rule talk about him. This is a guy that just fits. He fits with them. Um, they match in coaching philosophies as far as like like actual technical philosophies, um, and and how they want their offensive line to function and attack. Um, but they also. In terms of how they want to teach How they connect to players How they love players Um, Just that that grinder mentality That work ethic It's
0: fit It is easy with Rayola To look at last year's offensive line play And say why did we retain this guy Why is this the guy uh, When we had so much success In other facets of the team Why did he keep his job When guys like maybe a Bill Bush didn't Yeah It's a lot harder to take an internal look at yourself, do the work to find out that Whipple didn't have an offensive line that liked to attack. He had an offensive line that liked to kind of bubble back and and create protection that way. And that's not Rayola's style. That's not Rule's style. That's not Satterfield's style. That that lion mentality that we are going to be the ones to attack. We are not going to be the sheep. That's what Rayola wanted to come here and teach. That's what Frost wanted him to come here and teach. And Frost thought, I'm gonna bring Whipple in, we're gonna make this hybrid. He's my my savvy veteran, and I'm the 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 Wonderkin myself, and we're gonna create this hybrid offense, and it didn't shake out that way. Right. And so it was just bad on bad on bad in terms of fit. And so I've had to take some some internal looks as well. Cause I really wanted this offensive line hire to be, you know, rule said there's gonna be no celebrity hires, right? We're not gonna Correct. go out and get a guy. I really wanted him to be lying to me about this one. I wanted it, I wanted this to be the one where it's like. This guy's the greatest offensive line coach. He's that Browns coach who, when he says Hut, his stomach moves up and down from hard knocks. <laughs> right? Like that. I wanted one of those guys. Yeah. But in keeping Rayola, I was like, man, I was just wrong about the guy completely. And our criticism was justified, but also probably unfair last year to put the blame on him. It, yeah. yeah. So the only thing... That I, that I ask out of Rayola as, as maybe some further proof is some recruiting momentum. I want to see some offensive linemen start to maybe lean towards Nebraska. I don't really feel like we've gotten any banner offensive line recruits in a long time. And I want to start to see some of that hype come around him. So guys are getting excited about what he's teaching. In 2024, maybe we get some guys that are high four stars who have Nebraska in their top five and that Donnie is either primary or secondary recruiter. I want to see some of that come from him because I feel like that's not an energy we saw from him last year, and it's not an energy we've seen in this part of the off season. So the on-the-field on the stuff I think is going to get sorted out because every coach apparently on this team has coached offensive line at some point, so he's going to have the support he needs, but what he needs to start doing now is getting guys excited about being in his room, and, and that's that's kind of the, the growth I want to see between now and, and kickoff in August.
1: Okay. Yeah, and we we've seen a couple of guys come in through the transfer portal, like highly touted guys. We've seen some come and go. Yeah. Um, but uh, they're yeah, they've begun to retool and rebuild. Um, it's yeah, it's not a it's not a free pass, but again, I I I'm willing to trust. Yeah, I'm willing to trust Rule that he knows what he's doing. That he's he's identified a guy. It just so happens to be the one that we all were hopefully wrong about.
0: Yeah, you know, and it, and it's tough to I don't know build a a model of a fast car when the room's filling with water the way it was last year right like he didn't have a chance to really build something in a sinking Mm -hmm. ship and and so this year it's a dry room it's it's a room where there's opportunity where there's support where there's all the tools he needs and the thing that he is best at teaching is what's expected of him so I, i think all of those things coming together you know he gets kind of an incomplete grade from last year and now this is the year where we really start to evaluate what he does as a coach and i think there's 0.00%. There's there's less of a percent than the alcohol in these beers that he was retained to get his nephew to come play here. Oh yeah, no, i don't i don't buy into yeah, that. I, at I all. think that's bullshit, so yeah. Kathy. That's but Kathy <laughs> agrees. Kathy's like that's She did true. she texted
1: me and she was like no, nah, that's total bullshit. Like <laughs> That's um, fucking yeah. bullshit. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um I guess we should say for all of our new listeners, Kathy is Drew's mom. My mama. Who fucking hates when you <laughs> swearing. <laughs> I fucking hate it. She just said, stop fucking doing it. So, sorry, <laughs> Kathy, that. but we're going to keep doing it. Yeah, gratuitously. Yeah. Yeah. Poop. So, <laughs> so that wraps up some looks at these offensive coaches. Um, we'll move in to the defensive coaches after a, a quick little break and a message from uh, us talking about <laughs> our show partner, and then uh, we'll go from there. How's that sound, Drew? Sounds great. All right.
1: Before we move on, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our very special show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. Longtime listeners of the show know that Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska.
0: The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. The Guild will be celebrating Omaha Beer Week February 18th through the 23rd with events like the Omaha Beer Week bus tour, as well as numerous other exciting events including special tap takeovers, keg tappings, giveaways, bottle shares, and more.
1: If you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting nebraska.beer.
0: All right, Drew, so moving on into what we are drinking, part 2. That's more of the Danish. <laughs> Do you know what Danish is? No. I'm starting to wonder. No, I have okay. no idea. I have zero idea. I didn't even know it was a language and, except for an hour ago. <laughs> oh, man. So we got a couple more beers here, and there's a website that I want to shout out where these were ordered from, and it's called Proof No More. Uh, I think it's just proofnomore.com if you want to go there. But they have an entire catalog of non-alcoholic offerings. And that's all they sell is non-alcoholic beers and hop waters and uh, like sparkling hop teas and and things of that nature. And all of those are fairly similar, but they use hops that you would find like Centennial, uh, Citra. They use those style hops in the creation of this. So you get a lot of those similar flavor profiles in some of these beers um, that you would get in an alcoholic beer as well. So we've got a couple here, and first, let's start with the Flying Dog Deep Fake N A I P A. What are your thoughts on this on this beer?
1: Um, this one's pretty interesting. This is again very very hoppy, uh, <laughs> way more dank than uh, the pills that I had.
0: This this beer fits more in the fact that we're sitting in a basement and we crack this one open and we're like, damn. yeah. I mean it it is. It's strong. It's not off-putting strong, but it is. No,
1: it is. It's it's potent. Can I just um, say,
0: just to completely derail this conversation? No, yeah, let's which go. Which is what I'm so good at. <laughs> Anytime someone says off-putting, I always think of between two ferns uh-huh. with Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> oh God, no idea. Yeah. When when he says that comment was off-putting, and then someone says to Zach Galifianakis, "I think you should get off-putting <laughs> because you're fat." <laughs> so the oh, word man. off-putting is is is. It always makes me smile cuz I'm always like you should get she off pudding. Needs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. That's awesome. This is um, not off putting. This is not. No, this is, no. and this
1: is a fun this is a fun uh NA to drink because it it is um very very hoppy right up front and then it it, it thins out but there's a nice bright uh citrus lemony quality to it. Yeah. That, that that lingers around just enough. It's not like a puckering sour sort of um lemon. It's it it's pleasant.
0: No. Uh, the way I describe it, it's like it's like an expression of lemon oil from the peel, uh, more of a Meyer lemon than a, a lemon that you would use in a lemonade. This is more of kind of a savory lemon, and I know that might sound counterintuitive, but if you've had that kind of lemon flavor, you know it's the lemon you'd put on a salmon, not the lemon you would put in a lemonade or something along those lines. Yeah. It, it gives a nice round flavor without that pucker effect, and it it comes quick and it leaves just as quickly. It's it's a really nice beverage. Yeah, really refreshing.
1: It's, it's yeah. I was, was, was going to say that it's refreshing. This would be a great summer drinker. Yeah. hot day. Yeah, like you said, if you come in from mowing the yard and crack one of these open, for sure. Yeah, it's going to quench your thirst.
0: You don't feel like having a beer right away, but you want some of those similar flavors. This deep fake is a, a really nice offering from Flying Dog. Mm-hmm. The other beer that we have, which I think is is our winner. Yeah, I want to put words in your mouth. Uh, you can we- put them
1: in. Okay. Put the beer in my mouth. I don't care.
0: <laughs> this is Atmos Brewing Company's Cosmos N A Peanut Butter Milk Stout. And it delivers. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it drinks like that. It tastes like that. These guys are out of Idaho. I don't know what they do in Idaho. I know that they have weird colored football fields in Idaho, and clearly they know how to make non alcoholic <laughs> beer. I don't know why I'm using my hands like <laughs> this. I know none of you can see this, but He's I'm doing talking. weird things with his hands. Yeah, I'm. I'm talking weirder than usual. I'm almost clapping. If I could describe it, it's <laughs> yeah. like I my hands are coming real close together, yeah. and then they're spreading apart like a penguin. <laughs> like it's just this this cycle, and I can read. Like I can. I actually I can clap. I'm just choosing not to. <laughs> See, we're just as dumb. We, yeah, this is pure sober. This yeah. is, yeah. So Well, no, there's like wow. point point five. .5. Okay. And we've had four beers. So we're creeping up on a percent of <laughs> alcohol. <laughs> but this, this beer is great. I mean, it tastes like a roasted peanut butter stout. Yeah. Which yeah. is a hard beer to pull off. I mean, when you, when you put that on your label... That's a hard claim to hit. Long round does a great job with it. Yeah, uh, from Empyrean and Lincoln, uh, and that's my favorite peanut butter beer. I love that one. This one, you really get those same peanut butter flavors that you would expect from a peanut butter beer.
1: Yeah, you do. Um, one of the things that that I've bumped into with a lot of peanut butter stouts, like uh, with alcohol, is that they come across as like you get that stick artificial, uh, too sweet, too sugary that that sort of quality to it. Um, and so this this has a really deeply roasted taste um yeah almost almost to me it's almost like a burnt taste. it's it's borderline yeah Yeah. um but like i said the peanut butter is there the only thing that's missing um from this from it being a stout is that is the mouthfeel yeah it's just it's incredibly thin for for that for a stout but the flavor is so great um
0: that that almost is that takes a back seat and i think one of the things that we've talked about off mic as we're trying these before we record on mic is these are almost more carbonated than you would expect. Yeah, from a, a beer with alcohol, and I believe that that effervescence—big word—that effervescence, big word, th- that, effervescence uh, that comes through on these beers really helps with some of that that mouth feel and adds some of that that weight that alcohol does bring to a beer. Right. So alcohol having sugar content to it is a little more viscous than water is, yeah. and so it's going to have more of that velvety soft feel as you're drinking the the beer. These are more carbonated. I've never seen the head of a Guinness last as long as this head is last. This is over like an hour and a half. That this head is still hanging out there. So that carbonation is really strong in these beers. Yeah. Um, I get that across the board on all of these. And I think it's strongest in this stout. It was.
1: Yeah. Especially that first one when I was not expecting it. Cause you drink a dark beer like this, you don't expect to feel fizz. Right. You, but you could feel it. I mean, it was like, it's, it was like putting pop rocks in your mouth that sort of like yeah. th- that sizzle. Um, and so that was, that caught me off guard. Um But yeah, like you said, I think it's it's almost like like sleight of hand, like a magic trick. Like they're trying to almost like trying to distract you with like this thing to get you to forget about uh, the other thing.
0: Yeah. So, what what I what I really like about this entire kind of process of us trying these things and and learning a little bit more about what what these beers do is it speaks to the craft beer community so well that it's it's not about the beer; it's about the experience. We want you to share in the experience of tasting different flavors and being able to talk about what you're trying and find something that you really love and find a beer you don't like and then find a beer you do like and then have that kind of be that home run hitter for you or that, that guy that always comes in and bats cleanup so that you yeah. can experience. Like this whole experience is about letting people know that everyone's welcome.
1: Yeah, right? and that's a that's a huge thing in the brewing community um, It's just how open and welcoming it is because yeah. it's, it's about community. It's Absolutely. About, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm really glad to see, I've talked to some people who, um, who do NAs, um, or have tried it in the past and, and have talked about just how, how incredible
0: it is to see it grow. Yeah. Um, and into, it, a, it, into a real feasible market. That's not just a niche product that you it, do off to the side.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it, 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 I think that it comes from a place of just, yeah, appreciating beer for as, as a, as a craft, yeah. you know, and, um, and just an amazing beverage and and as somebody who, who I, I love beer i do i love to drink beer i don't want to get drunk you know what i mean like i just want to drink beer yeah and so this this from you know for for my perspective it allows me to do that to go out and try a drink and, and explore it um without the effects of alcohol yeah um and then obviously there's there's a whole spectrum of 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 uh, other reasons like you know that why you wouldn't want alcohol Um, and so, yeah, so it's, this is exciting. It's exciting to know that there, um, there are breweries that are, uh, dedicated to this or, um, you know, maybe you have a a brewery that, that does their own thing, but then they're adding NAs to their lineup. Um, just seeing that grow and seeing those options grow and and becoming more accessible. Uh, it's very cool.
0: Yeah. I think that's really well said drew the way that you put it. And, uh, I don't think there's anything else that, that needs to be added on to that, but, uh, I think what does need to be added is some conversation about some defensive coaches, and Again. I'm going to let you take the lead. Starting with Tony White, our new defensive coordinator. What are your thoughts on uh, on Tony?
1: All right, um, I am. This is this is a guy that I'm excited for. Um, he comes in highly touted, you know, out of Syracuse. He runs a three-three-five, which I know. For a second, I, I thought raised. that was his like forty times. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, the guy's a speed <laughs> demon.
0: <laughs> It's like, yeah, yeah, wait a second. <laughs> You're talking about his defensive scheme? <laughs> Guy runs a 3 3 5. fast as shit. Has one year of eligibility left. It's
1: not, yeah. <laughs> not going to do him any good as a coach, but, uh, you know. Um, but yeah, so he does a 3 3 5 scheme, which is something that <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought <laughs> I, I had to clarify. I,
0: I love that I'm just revealing how stupid I am <laughs> on this episode. I thought uh, everyone man. spoke English. <laughs> that guy's fast. <laughs> Oh man, stone cold sober. Um You don't know what I did before you is, got here. Y- yes. Yeah? No, I'm oh, okay. I, I'm sober. <laughs> you said that <laughs> so sadly. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Tony White. Tony White
1: operates in the three three five. Um this is something that Rule is very familiar with, just with uh Phil Snow was his guy, but Phil Snow ran a three three five. Um, this is something that I don't know if a lot of Nebraska fans are super familiar with. I know I was not. Um Three three five 5 is the sort of defense that I think of for Big 12-like spread, um, and I think that's where it grew or where it comes from is, is from kind of uh, defending the pass. And so you think about it um, initially as maybe something that's not going to fit in the Big 10, um, but if you listen to Tony White talk about this defense and the way that he utilizes it and how versatile it can be and the way you can switch up fronts, change uh, how you attack an offense, where your pressure is coming from, um, the way that it uh, it can be molded according to your personnel um, you know he's talked about if we're if we're strong we got a good defensive line group but maybe our linebackers don't quite live up to snuff we can focus more on that like 4 three uh, and vice versa and so it's gonna be flexible um, he his favorite word to use is attack um, so I think we're gonna see an attacking defense based on that um it's just the the question is where are they going to be attacking from and that's all going to be based on what they're seeing from the offense
0: yeah so yeah i really like the versatility that that this defense is going to allow nebraska to have i i feel like the there's been a change in the kind of bodies we're seeing as edge rushers and the way that that lines up anyways so i feel like football players are evolving in the way that their bodies look in certain positions. So I don't even think that really schematically saying that you're a four, three, a three, four, the three, three, five. Like, I don't think it matters as much because there is so much shifting and moving and everyone's gotten so smart with the advent of everything technology wise that, you know, we can pull a tablet up on the sideline and see exactly what happened in the last play and counter it the next. Yeah. So it's like, none of that really matters. It's just more about how do you teach your guys? Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm in that same boat. I, I did look at, tony white's defensive statistics and and one of the things that we mentioned with satterfield is that like south carolina was like fine go leave great syracuse was the exact opposite with tony White, like no 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 no, no, he's ours bring him back bring back. and then we're like i'm sorry guys (laughs) um but if you were to compare or take let's say um take take syracuse's numbers and just drop them in to the big 10 right like what what did their defense look like um From 2020 to 2022, White's defense went from 4.6 yards per rush attempt to 3.7, and from 7.5 yards per passing attempt to 6.5. Had Syracuse played in the Big Ten in 2022, their defense would have ranked 7th in rush defense below Ohio State. Nebraska was 13th. And they would have been 7th in pass defense, which would have been one mark above Nebraska at 8th. So... We're, we're bringing in a guy who does stop the things we need to stop in order to be successful that also told me looking at those numbers that you don't have to be top one in every category to win games and and be a great team because Ohio State wasn't the best team at stopping the run but yet they were playing for their their shot at the national championship so right. you know what I mean it's it's kind of a, a two-way street to look at that or, or or a two-sided coin or however you want to your whatever expressions I don't give a shit sorry Kathy I'm mad at how dumb I come across in this episode it's nice to not be that guy for once you're never that guy you're always like prepared you know what Danish is the other thing that I thought was interesting is if if Chenander's defense had made the same movement over his first three seasons assuming Nebraska's points remained unchanged so assuming the offense did what the offense did but in three years, Chin's defense improved the same way Tony White's defense improved. Mm-hmm. The Huskers' 2019 campaign would not have been five and seven; it would have been eight and four. So, if you were to swap coach for coach and their productivity over that same time frame,
1: are we allowed to do that?
0: I mean, in did, my it, memory, we did just now just rewriting it, have, it. Well, I mean, I never history. remember that Mike Riley had a nine-win season. So, why does it? I do. <laughs> Start off seven and zero. Oh. Made it all the way to nine. So I guess what I'm saying is, for all those people who are worried about will this defense fit in the Big Ten, this defense is already something that can be successful in the Big Ten, and what he does to stop the run game and stop the passing game already would have us more successful than we were in previous years. So all of that movement, by the way, was made without cracking the top 60 in recruiting and never having a better class in the ACC above ninth. My big question is what does Tony do with Nebraska's talent? Yeah. That he didn't have at Syracuse and what kind of an impact can that make uh moving forward. So I'm excited to see how that how that plays out.
1: Yeah, same here. Um yeah, it it as as the um the defensive uh roster comes together, I think we'll, we will be able to probably get a better idea of what they're going to try to do just because again, he he bases it Pretty much entirely on on who he's got. He did say that his linebacker room is going to be the key to what they do. So watching that, you know, inside and outside linebackers and how they construct the roster there um, is going to be a uh, a big telling point about what we can maybe expect in the fall. Great. Um, so and then and Nebraska is familiar in recent years with using that like the nickel back, the big safety, the JoJo Doman position. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think that that's going to go away because I, you want a guy on the field that is just comp- just versatile, that can yeah. stop the run, that can drop back into coverage, that can blitz, that can do all that stuff. Um, and so at a 3, three 5 um, one that wants to be flexible, yeah, you're going to need individuals who are flexible like that. So I think we'll continue to see that. And, uh, and um, White has already identified um, Eric Fields as a guy that can do that. Um, a new guy coming in. and so I'm and I'm sure that they're gonna have other guys on the roster already who will be that be able to fill that
0: position. So awesome, yeah. shall we move into Ed Foley? Yeah, heck, yeah, I love Ed Foley. Oh my God, who doesn't love oh Ed Foley? Yeah. He's already been to almost one hundred Nebraska high schools in the time that he's been on. He's
1: seen more of this state than I
0: have, yeah, and he's been here for a month or two. yeah, he's crazy, like he should write um a roadside diner book for the state <laughs> yeah. of Nebraska.
1: Oh man. Yeah, he's he's all over the place. He is he's broadcasting it out there. Um, you know, stopping at every high school, every you know, dine, dining spot in Nebraska. What
0: so I what I love eat. is the you know, you've got you've got guys in the in this coaching staff who get hired on and like they take a picture of themselves in Nebraska gear and are like let's get to work and Ed Foley's first picture is like had to try it and it's a runs a bag yeah. <laughs> in his front seat. And I'm like yeah. this guy this guy is a, is my hero.
1: He's amazing. Yeah, yeah.
0: He, um, he's a, he is one of the
1: coaches that Rule is most familiar with. They've been together for a long time. Um, fully, uh, what he he was yeah he was everywhere with him. Temple, Baylor, Carolina, but he was a Temple guy like almost through and through. Oh yeah, he yep. was. He coached with five different head coaches in his time there, which is insane to get retained. Yeah, by five different guys, um, but him and Rule. Uh, they match up, and you, again, you see that with the way that he he talks about the way that he talks about his players, um, that that level of excitement and that just the love that he shows, yeah, just full display is incredible. Um, and then obviously his work ethic; um, he's on the road grinding it out, recruiting, establishing relationships. Like, yeah, if you're gonna pick any guy, uh, any of these coaches to to build the. Uh, relationship with nebraska high school is like this is your guy yeah yeah they nailed it there
0: yeah so his his statistics when he was special teams coordinator to take everything else under consideration that he's done which is huge he's been an interim head coach at temple multiple times yeah. like you said coached under multiple head coaches at temple continu- continues to get retained but matt rule was like no you're my guy now mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i'm not gonna pass this guy up when he was the special teams coordinator at temple check this stuff out he was ranked top five nationally in blocked kicks four out of his six seasons as special teams coordinator. He was ranked top twenty five in return defense three of his six seasons, and in his final season at Temple, his special teams ranked top twenty five in punt returns, top twenty five in kickoff returns, kickoff return defense, fifth in block kicks, and scored six special teams touchdowns. Like, dang, the guy can coach too. He doesn't yeah. just recruit and and eat chicken fried steak. Like he <laughs> gets out there and then. I would be remiss if we didn't mention that he is the first coach on the recruiting trail to meet with Sam Fultz's family Ooh, yeah. since Sam Fultz yep. passed. So not only is he a great coach, does he, you know, engage with the community, but he's also trying to learn, like, the history of this program and what makes it tick and where our hearts exist within this program and and just all of that coming together is, like, how, how can this guy not be your favorite? Yeah, like I can't wait to see him on the sidelines because I'm sure he's got like some awesome demeanor on the sidelines too. Like he just he just seems great. Yeah, right. And,
1: it, and he's genuine. Yeah, um, yeah. He's one of those dudes. The uh, one of the things that that, that they put on Huskers. dot on his bio that I found was that in his 11 seasons at Temple, um, he sent 20 over 20 players who played high school football in New Jersey to the NFL. It's a weirdly specific thing. That is very specific. So he's he's from New Jersey himself, um, and so yeah, t- well, more than twenty players who played high school football in New Jersey. He brought him to Temple. He coached, and you know, he's part of that he brought him there and got him into the NFL. That's nuts. And, which is insane. That's just a, it's a weirdly insane specific stat. But then you think about like think about the fact that now, okay, now he's in Nebraska, and now look at what he's doing. He's he's learning the state. He's learning the people. He's learning the program. Um. And and you look at the type of players that they want to get, like they want to get the top talent in Nebraska. But they've also talked about like we want to get linemen from offensive linemen in particular from Nebraska. Um, and I think I think it was rule. It was either rule or Satterfield who talked about like get Nebraska guys on that offensive line that are going to die for Nebraska, like that mentality. Um, Fo- so Foley is able to to identify guys who want to play for their their home team, um, and then get them not just to help that program be successful, but get help them be successful to get them to the next level. Yeah. And so I'm really like, that's the thing that I'm really excited about with him is like seeing him take Nebraska kids and build them and build them up and get them to that next level and just what he can do there. So.
0: Yeah. This this kind of takes me off into a different direction as far as the conversation goes, but yeah. one of the things to me that's consistent across these coaches is some of them are, are great coaches and have a proven track record, like a Foley, uh, Tony White, that sort of thing. But a lot of these guys are developmental projects themselves, right? These are coaches that are waiting to be developed into great coaches. And Matt Rule has a history of developing those coaches. Matt Rule has a history of developing players. And I don't think there's a person who really pays attention to Nebraska football who would not say, like, we've gotten away from being a developmental program. Oh, yeah. Like, Iowa's been able to plant their flag. And it doesn't matter what the record is because I'm sending eight linemen to the NFL or tight ends or whatever it happens to be. Like, we're developing players. And you can look at anything else that this coaching staff uh, is doing or has done, but I think one of the big things is they are committed to that developmental mindset, but developing them into champions and players and great football minds on top of being great young men and all of that sort of thing. So I'm just, I'm so excited that we are returning to being a developmental program, but that it doesn't just end with our players. It's our entire staff is wanting to develop and they're not there's no resting when you're developing, right? You're always trying to be better than you were the day before. I think even the strength and conditioning coach was like 1% better every day, Yeah, right? That's all I ask is you give 1% more today. And I'm just, I'm so excited to see that. We've been asking for it for so long. And I don't hear that talk a whole lot. You know, people are just kind of excited about who the recruits are and, and that's fine because that's what this season is right now. Mm-hmm. But I think as we go through, we're going to start to see a style of football and a style of growth in all of our guys. were are like, oh, damn. We're back to developing players. Yeah. We're not going to just be, you know, running back you or tight end you or something. We're going to be a developmental program where it doesn't matter what position you play, you're going to be better than the guy on the other team when you leave this place. So that's, that excites me. And and just seeing that in all these coaches as that continues to build and come across is is very exciting. So maybe, maybe the Kool Aid's getting there a little (laughs) bit. All right. uh, Who do you want to dive into next? I picked
1: Foley, so okay. You tell me let's, where to go. Let's talk about um, probably the person that I'll talk the least
0: about, and that's Rob Voracek. Okay, I is is I I mean this in all sincerity. Uh-huh. Is that name Danish? <laughs> I think is that joke dead? That's, that's I think is, it played is, it out. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that joke's played out. <laughs> all right, moving on. Um,
1: he's a he's a guy that played for Rule. You know, played football at Temple. Um, he's coached with Rule at Baylor in Carolina, and that's about the extent. Of it, he's very limited information out there on him. As far as like he, he just doesn't have a, a long track record as yeah. a coach, and so he's a he's my biggest unknown. Um, and what what's interesting is that again, if if Tony White's saying, "Hey, the linebacker is going to kind of determine how we run this defense," it's interesting to me that we got this this coach. I'm not this isn't like knocking him or saying it's a bad hire or anything like that. I'm just saying it's having your bi- a big question mark um, what we're going to get out of this guy uh, at a, such a critical position. Yeah, is something that I think to keep an eye on.
0: Well, then you wonder too, like how much is this coaching staff uh, a title, and how much are they actually going to be coaching just the linebackers, right? Like, if if in Tony White's defense, the linebacker is the key component, but they also play like a nickel, they play like a defensive lineman, and they kind of rotate like that. Are we really going to have Rob only coach linebackers, and that be all he touches, or is it going to be like a communal pro- project where? you know, the defensive coaches take their sections and kind of work, and and it's kind of interchangeable in that sense as well. I don't know that with the way that this defense is going to set up that it's really, you know, going to be room-specific where it's only me working with my guys. I think maybe film review and when we're, you know, looking back on things, that's how we break out. But I I could see a lot of cross-coaching where, you know, these guys are are working with the whole defensive unit.
1: Right, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, like you said, there's going to be players that are – they're maybe an outside linebacker, but they're doing a lot with the linemen. Yeah, um, or they're doing stuff with the secondary because they're in that sort of like rover position. And so, yeah. So I don't, I don't know how they'll. I mean, obviously, that's up to them how they want to divide that. There will, there's going to have to be some distinction. He's going to have to own something, right. You know, and, right? and 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 all that. So, um, yeah. So that's it. That's I mean, that's that's all I got. I can't, I can't say one way or the other. I don't feel anything towards this. Um, again, you trust rule. You trust his hires. Um, he's this is one of the young guys that he's, he's tabbed. He said, Hey, this is the guy that checks these boxes, you know, in what I'm looking for in a coach. Um, he's, he's somebody that rule obviously wants to develop as a coach and trust to develop players in that process.
0: Yeah. So, so I did a little bit of a, of a deeper dive, not a super okay. deep dive. Cause there's yeah. not a whole lot of statistics that are out there, like you said, but, uh, he coached at Lehigh in, in mm-hmm. 2018, 2019, or excuse me, 2019 and 2020, but 2020 was cut short due to COVID. They only played... Uh, two games yeah. in that season but like I talked about uh, on the offensive side of the ball like what's the immediate impact and I talked about that with Barthol so what was what was Rob's immediate and I'm avoiding saying his last name D- Dvoracek Voracek I don't oh. I don't know how it's pronounced and um, to be honest I'm already embarrassed enough this episode so <laughs> <clears throat> the year prior to his arrival we will call him coach Rob the year prior to Coach Rob's arrival in 2018, uh, Lehigh amassed a total of 15 sacks, allowed 35 points per game, and gave up uh, 226.4 yards of rushing per game.
1: Okay, that's not good.
0: No. the His first year on staff, they amassed a total of 29 sacks, so they almost doubled. They allowed 21 points per game, so seven points fewer, and they gave up 130.5 yards per game. So that's some significant increase in, yeah. in the first year. One of his linebackers had 12 sacks on the season in 2019, which was three fewer than the entire team the year prior. That's crazy. So I was, I was like, okay, the defense just get better. What unit got better? The linebackers got better. Yeah. So this guy, I mean, he is a linebackers guy. Um, the 2020 season was cut short due to COVID, but Lehigh was on pace for even more improvement, having given up an average of only 15 points per game and 87 yards rushing. So in his limited experience of owning a room, yeah. He's had immediate impact on his guys. And when you combine that with the rest of this staff, uh, it does give me some confidence on how he can coach these linebackers up. And, and you know, we, we took a chance on, on Coach Rude when he came in, and he did a great job getting those linebackers ready as well. But that was his first real room to own as well. So right. we've had some experience with that the past few years, and we've seen some good success. Our best defensive players have been primarily linebackers. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to continue, and they're going to continue to be just as important as they were before. We talk about pot roast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which um I have no right to say pot roast. I feel like if I said it to his face, um he had every right to punch me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have not earned the right. But uh Terrence Knighton, um, I like this hire. I, I like do this too. hire a lot. Yeah. Especially when you hear Rule repeating over and over like, we're here to get you your second NFL contract, not just mm-hmm. your first one. Terrence Knighton is like the proof, right? Like he's the guy who. Whereas McGuire might have taken the coaching route. Knighton took the play in the NFL route, and it paid off. And sustained, yeah. 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 Um, he's, just, he's credited with a lot of continued development of his guys. And he's got a coaching stint at Wagner, was, which was the only time he's owned a defensive line room outside of Nebraska. And that Wagner defensive line, even though Wagner was a terrible team during his stretch, they were a good defensive line before he came in. They got better the next season. But he was already working with some great stuff. He had three future All-Americans on his team, and he had draft picks on his team at Wagner. So there's not a whole lot for me that says, like, as a coach, how is he? But we have a history of him as a player where he was a top 15 uh, defensive lineman in the NFL every season he played. Like when you combine his, I think it was, what, seven seasons? Yes. That he was in the league, that he was top 15 in tackles. So the guy knows how to play the position. I'm looking forward to how that transitions to coaching the position. But guys love him, players love him, you know. And he's another one of those Temple guys that that followed the rule footsteps, mm-hmm. and it gave him success.
1: Yeah, and that's what I that's what I marked him down. I have all I have like little, I don't know, one lane, line things for each hire. But he's this is a this is a for the players hire. He, I think, if it if it doesn't excite you as a fan. I think the players are going to love having him as their coach because, like you said, he's got the experience um, going up through the NFL ranks, sustaining a career there, playing in a Super Bowl. Um, he's gonna he's gonna show love to his players, um, and yeah, it, w- it will be a question of like how does how does he operate as a coach um, for them? But I think that he's gonna I think he's gonna be able to connect to guys pretty easily, and I think vice versa, guys yeah. will guys will connect to him.
0: So. Yeah, I just I really. This guy knows good coaching. He knows how to sustain a successful career. He knows how to work his way up through the ranks. I mean, Temple's not a hotbed for NFL talent, but this guy followed what Rule had to say, worked his way out of there, and I think that players are going to respond to that. I think, you know, he already showed that we got some good defensive linemen that came in in this recruiting class, and he was yeah. part of their recruitment. He already got um, three edge rushers and a defensive lineman out of the high school ranks, and he was a key recruiter in all four of those acquisitions for Nebraska. So, I'm excited for that, uh, to see that continue to go. Edge rushers and defensive linemen are some of those five stars that have eluded Nebraska, but that mm-hmm. we have such a long history of producing great ones, and I think he's the kind of coach that can help us get back to bringing some of those guys in uh, and seeing success there. I hope so, yeah.
1: He's going to have a pretty tall task because they've lost, obviously, a lot of talent on the edge, yeah, um, a lot of big names on the edge, and so they will be retooling that, yeah. that line. Um, I think it helps him being a, a nose tackle himself, um and that and having a guy like Mel Robinson there yeah, buddy. bringing up Nash um having guys like that i think Stephen Wynn's still around
0: so um win who came on really great in the second yeah. half of the season yeah. had a really nice 2022 campaign robinson was coming on strong again i think ty robinson's finally like realizing how big he is yeah you know what i mean and he's starting to play with some anger we saw him after the game at iowa and he was saying some things <laughs> and i won't repeat those things <laughs> No, but, but that was one i was of like my favorite
1: experiences of that whole trip
0: with him i i'm just he's he's got oh. that fire now you yeah. know what i mean like and, and i'm starting to see that come through i think that he's he's confident in his size and his ability now in this league yeah. and you get him with a guy like like knight and, and let him go yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun
1: yeah so that'll be fun to watch
0: awesome cool that brings us to our our final defensive coach, yes, why don't you start us off my
1: this is my my favorite um this is and my probably rule's favorite this is this is rule's guy like this i think is his right hand man uh Evan Cooper who's gonna be coaching the secondary um I think he's a recruiting coordinator as well um he's he's another guy played played at temple for rule um he's coached for him I think he's the only coach on staff who's been with rule the entire time like the entire time, Rule's been a head coach. Evan Cooper has been on his staff. eleven seasons in a row. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's I don't know, he he seems like as as much as all the coaches that we've talked about are connect to Rule and like are the same. Like he's on another level. Um, that like he's his own person. He's not Rule, but like he he seems like he's got like energy, um, stamina. That that grinder mentality. That just like like you wish you had a fucking percent like a single percent of what he's got. Yeah. Um he's an, he's an exciting one. Um and he's another guy that uh you know he's not just like work work work. Like he wants to connect to people. Um and he said he says I need to know people on a different level uh, than strictly worker or player or coach. And so he's going to be um probably like the tough love type coach. Um but yeah, hands down my favorite guy, um mostly just because of everything that rules said about him, the way that he presents himself the way that he talks about his his work and, and and his players so the only the only thing that was uh maybe a question mark I guess to me was was the fact that he's owning the entire secondary
0: yeah I, that did jump out at me too and we we just, heard some yeah, yeah we
1: just we just went through this last year where we we broke that up and it was pointed out like Nebraska was like maybe one of if not the only program to have a one coach for the entire secondary. And so we're going back to – and it's not like – I mean, if there's anybody that can do it, you know, that has the energy and the, the ability energy, yeah. to do it, it, it could be this guy. But that – owning the entire secondary room on top of doing the recruiting coordinator. Um, he is the highest paid assistant, I think, outside of the coordinator. So you, you see, like, he's being compensated for all that work. Um, but this might point to kind of what you were alluding to earlier where you're going to see – coaches kind of shouldering the load together maybe with different rooms
0: well yeah I mean last year it was um you know we had Travis Fisher coaching the the quarterbacks and then Bill Bush was coaching the the safeties as well as special teams you know so it it, it doesn't have to necessarily be the title that you yeah. have right it's just how the coaches then utilize the 10 guys that they can have coaching on the field uh what I will say to his to his credit um he was with Matt Rule in all three of his ten win seasons, I mean, it's obvious if he was with him at every stop. He was with him at all of his ten win seasons. Um, in 2019, that was kind of his magnum opus so far. I Say so far because it's only going to get better, baby. Um, <laughs> they they led, or excuse me, they were ranked fifth nationally in interceptions in 2019 with 17. They were 18th in pass efficiency, and they were uh, pass pass efficiency defense. Excuse me, and they were 19th nationally in scoring defense. So when you combine ed foley and his ability to block kicks and score in special teams and then you take evan cooper who is known for interceptions scoring on defense and leading that charge that tells me a little bit more too that um yeah we may not be as concerned with stopping everything the big 10 can throw at us but these are a couple of coaches in key spots that like to steal possessions and that like to steal points and like that gets me excited because we haven't seen that in a very long time out of Nebraska where we're dominant in all three phases. And these are coaches that, like you said, you know, the lion versus the lamb, we're going to be attacking in all phases of football. We don't, we don't, we're not lambs, right? We're not going to sit back. We're going to attack. Yeah. I'll also say the last time Nebraska had 17 interceptions in a single season was 2010. So this guy's going to get us to a place that we haven't been for a long time. And that was Mm -hmm. rarefied air. We had a really nice secondary in 2010. Um, so, I I just like you love this hire. It's a great hire. It's high energy. It's great for recruiting. Uh, Evan Cooper is going to do a lot of great stuff, and he seems to be another man of the people type person. Where, yeah, you know he's yeah. he's forward and he's out front and like he looked natural at the podium, just just like Matt Rule looks natural to like mm-hmm. leaning over the podium and yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> re, like wanting to be closer. So you can tell that that connection is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And and all the coaches say if we find a diamond in the rough recruit, it's because he did the work. Yeah, like, yeah,
1: because he's he's talked about it, being a film junkie and yeah. and like
0: three in the morning, like calling people like I found a guy, like thought yeah. you were sleeping. You can tell yeah. us in the morning. No, I can't.
1: <laughs> I think he talked about like how he could he could sit there and watch like offensive linemen get their hands measured for hours. Oh my, god. <laughs> like, to me, I'm like Jesus. Like that sounds mind numbing, but like that's yeah, that's the like level um, of of yeah, just like the love that he has for identifying.
0: Do you have anything in your life? No, I know no. where you're going with this. I, <laughs> that that is as mundane, like that you love uh-huh. that c- would compare to watching offensive linemen get their get their hand measured. I do Can you, don't, can you think, of think of anything?
1: I don't even. I don't know if I love my family as much as this guy <laughs> loves that. Let alone <laughs> something <laughs> mundane. And that's no offense to my family. I love my family, but like you know what I mean, like yeah he he it's just it's just passion on another level that's yeah. taken that 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 and it's you'd see it because he it energizes him it yeah. is a mundane thing but it energizes him because um probably because it's gonna lead him to success in in achieving whatever you know whatever's driving whatever motivates him whatever purpose he's yeah. he's serving um yeah but it's but again it all comes back to it's genuine that's real like that's just who he is and it, it shows when he's when he's talking about it when he's on the podium when he's connecting to people um connecting to recruits. It's all yeah. It's just he's he again, he just I you look at him and you and you listen to him and it's like, dude, that guy is he's just different. Yeah. In a very good way.
0: When I look through this entire staff as a whole, now that we've kind of covered all of, of the on field coaches, man, we may not get the best talent. We may not be the number one rated uh recruiting class in any given year. But I think that we are going to always be with this staff the hardest working team. And, and that brings me excitement, right? That is Nebraska football. It was never about getting the best players. It was about getting the players that wanted to be here and wanted to fight for this team and wanted to give everything for that team. And I think that we've got the coaching staff that's going to find those players and bring those guys in. And we're hearing more rumblings, you know, as we're getting further and further away from the last coaching era about they got away from their initial game plan about going after guys that wanted to be here. And they they started chasing stars and doing that sort of thing. And you know, in the NIL era, that's easy to do. Start chasing stars because we've got the resources to bring them in, but they're not going to stay. You know, and what good is a is a freshman five star for one year when they're going to just transfer out? You know, you want the the freshman five star who wants to bleed to be here, and the NIL is is secondary to the kind of future he's going to get with this staff, Dylan. And I just think that. <laughs> <I> was, waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. But I, I, uh, I, I just you know. <laughs> the optimism is there because this is the kind of staff that we've, we've been hoping and that we hoped the last staff was right. Yeah. That we, that we were like, Oh, because this place means so much, this is the kind of effort and energy we're going to get and not to take away from all the individuals that were on that coaching staff that were giving, you know, great effort. It's just, it didn't plan out the way that we wanted it to and whatever rumors you want to tie yourself to or what have you put them aside because this is the kind of staff that, you know, They're going to be transparent. Their message is their message. And they know that that consistency is key. And if what they say in busting with the Boys is different than what they say in the living room, you know, those players aren't the right players to come play for them. Like, they want the guys that are here for that message, whether it's being public or privately consumed. Yeah, it's well put. Man, it feels good to, to be back in... Behind a microphone. It does. It doesn't feel good to be the idiot of the episode, but. <laughs> Somebody's got to be it. No, they don't. Nobody. 50 50. <laughs> no, somebody doesn't have to be the idiot oh. every episode. Maybe just don't do the NAs next time. Yeah. yeah maybe I do drink alcohol. real beer. Yeah. Maybe I'm just aware of how dumb I am. <laughs> <laughs> There's no false bravado. <laughs> So that does it for this bonus episode of Wannabe Walk-Ons. We will return in February with some more off-season fun as we look to Nebraska's player additions as well as new additions to the Nebraska beer scene.
1: All of which will lead into our 2023 Nebraska football season previews kicking off late summer of 23. So make sure to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the latest show information.
0: We want to thank all our listeners, both new and long time, for tuning in. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation.
1: Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to tell us where to drink next.
0: Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red. Production.